I never really thought about analyzing decisions in this way. I used to always analyze them out of fear and from the past. And I really decided like at some point it is time to really start thinking about what's possible for the future and not making decisions from a place of fear or what am I going to make it mean about myself if I quote unquote make a mistake. You're listening to the No BS Agency Podcast. We talk strategies that can take your one to two person branding agency from $5,000 to $30,000 per month without hiring employees or working your ass off. All you have to do is cut the BS. I am Pia Silva. On today's episode, I'm so excited to host my new friend and badass business owner, Shannon Mattern. Shannon teaches solopreneurs how to DIY their website and mentors web designers on how to package, price, and sell and run premium web design projects with boundaries, not burnout. Shannon is also the host of Pep Talks for Side Hustlers, a podcast for side hustlers who want to become self-employed without taking a pay cut. I actually met Shannon when she was gracious enough to invite me on her podcast, and we really hit it off. We are just so aligned in so many ways. I had to have her on the No BS Agency podcast and share her with all of you. Now, while she focuses on small web design firms and I focus on small branding agencies, Obviously, there is a ton of overlap since so many web designers often find themselves doing branding, whether they mean to or not, and vice versa. Branders end up doing websites because that's what their clients need. So we have a ton in common. Um, We agree on a lot. We also disagree on some things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, here is Shannon. Shannon, I am so excited to talk to you. I have been listening to your podcast I have been diving into the self-psychoanalysis that is Shannon. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. And I thought I was opening the kimono. You really lay it all out there. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's you know, it's very cathartic for me to do that. I could tell. You know, it's, it's, it's necessary. I don't know how else I would get through this thing called growing a business without that outlet. And there are actually people who like want to listen to it. It's incredibly compelling. It's so helpful. It's I I can relate to everything you're saying. I think that's why it's so great to listen to and so helpful for everybody. You're right. People really don't just share the thinking behind all of these decisions. So let me just back up and say, because I'm just talking to you and people listening don't know what I'm talking about. You do brilliant in- interviews. I was lucky enough to be one of your interviewees recently, but you told me when I when you were interviewing me that you do these income reports. And I thought, "Oh, that's so that's so smart. You said you do them every month." So I was like, "I got to hear what she's what is she doing here?" And then when I listened to it, I was like, "I can't believe how raw she's being, but also how incredibly helpful it is and how much of this I can relate to. Of course, those are all the emotions and the roller coaster. You lay out the numbers, but you also lay out all the thinking behind it and your feelings about it and your journey. And what made you what made you think to do that in the first place? Because you started a long time ago. 
So I started doing income reports back in 2018, I think. And I was inspired by Pat Flynn of the Smart Passive Income podcast, you know, who I had followed as I was getting my business started. And he would put out these income reports. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be there someday. And and I'm looking at him and I'm and I'm looking how giving he is and just generous. And I'm also like, and these numbers are huge. And I just don't know, like, if this is, you know, possible for me in my business. But but what I do know is I want to share what it's like when it's not like that. You know, I want to share what it's like from from the beginning. And so the moment that I started my podcast, I was like, you know, in order to fully share this journey and talk about how I went from side hustle to self-employed and how I grew this business, that is like an imperative part of the story. I can't walk around it, you know, and I can't just tell how much we made without telling how much we spent. And, you know, I really just felt compelled to give the full picture because I felt like, you know, am I normal? Am I not? I don't know, but I'm just going to share what I'm going through. It's so smart. Am I normal? Is it okay to sometimes spend more than you make certain months versus others? How does that feel? You and I both coach people who are going through this experience all the time. And because people aren't open about their books, it's impossible. And and because what people do show is the top line revenue, I rail against mm-hmm. this all the time. So annoying that people will advertise just top line revenue. And sometimes they're not making any money. They're losing money, but they don't talk about that. So I just really, first of all, hats off to you. It's it's really smart that you do that and you do it in such a open and, and vulnerable and honest way that I I can see how, guys, you're, you're listening, you gotta go listen to these because you will relate to so much of it because any entrepreneur, there is no entrepreneur who goes straight up on the success line. Yeah. There's no entrepreneur who just makes more money every single month. And there's no entrepreneur who uh, is successful quickly without investing in themselves. And that's a big part of what you talk about, investing in yourself. What was it like? What was the first big investment you ever made in your business? The first big investment, I think, was buying myself a laptop. <laughs> I mean, I remember, you know, I'm buying myself a MacBook Pro. It's going to be refurbished, right? Because I'm going to try to save some money here. But that was the f- moment where I'm like, I'm going to stop using the la- the crappy laptop my employer gave me to like run this business on the side when I'm at home. And I'm really like going to go all in on getting myself the tools that I need to be successful. That felt really scary. That felt like, you know, if I buy this expensive laptop and I don't turn this into a business, then I just bought a really expensive piece of equipment to surf the internet on. It felt like one of those big pivotal moments where it's like, okay, I'm all in. I'm all in and I need something that is going to, that I'm not gonna be like IT support for all the time trying to fix my computer before I can even work. So that was one of the first like big investments I made was like giving myself the tools. That's an interesting thought process too because you're saying it's scary if you say if this doesn't work. I think that's a big question mark on people's minds whenever they're investing in themselves. And the question is, you know, is it okay to say if this doesn't work, then this was a mistake, right? Like in business, you're going to invest in yourself and things are not going to work. And I, in the begin, in that first investment, that's going to be your question. What if it doesn't work? Because you have no data. But as we move along, 
we get data that sometimes we invest in ourselves and it does work. And hopefully, through those positive experiences, you learn that it might not work, but it also might work. And that's why it's okay to keep investing yourself. In fact, you have to. And I, I say this because you detailed out in one of your most recent podcasts, I think, I don't know what you call them. You call them like the five CEO questions or something for investment. Yes. I love this. I love this. Can you share this with us? Because I, I kind of, you know, automatically go through, obviously, that thought process, but not so, not so clearly. And I don't think I even do all of them. So can you please share that? Because that was brilliant. So I kind of came up with this, you know, for not only for myself, but for like when people are um, deciding whether or not they want to invest in my program, you know, because my program's a high ticket program. I know your program's a high ticket program. And I never really thought about making these, you know, like analyzing decisions in this way. I used to always analyze them out of fear and, you know, from the past. And I really decided like at some point it is time to really start thinking about what's possible for the future and not, you know, making decisions from a place of fear or what am I going to make it mean about myself if, you know, I quote unquote make a mistake, which, you know, I have, if I could go back and tell that version of myself um, starting her business in 2014, like just freaking buy the laptop, it's going to be fine. right? (laughs) But those five questions are the first one is if making this investment were result to result in me creating one new client, what is that worth to me? You know, I had the opportunity just this week to sponsor a virtual conference that is full of my ideal client the price tag on that sponsorship would have just, you know, given me sticker shock one year ago. But then I look at the price of that and I'm like, if this investment results in me getting one new client, what is that worth to me? I'm all in on that all day long, you know? So it's such a better way to think about it. Okay. So before you, before you move on, that is basically the only way I make investment decisions, right? Well, if it gets me one new client, what is that worth? When you're in high ticket sales or the people listening and your clients as well are selling higher and higher price premium services, the answer is, oh, like I almost never have an experience where it's not worth it <laughs> because the the value of a client is so high. So, I mean, I, I, I almost stop right there. Yeah. You know, one extra client is worth so much to me that can basically invest in anything. I'm just curious if you've had the same experience. Well, I started out selling low-priced services, low-priced digital products. I started out hustling. I started out with a really crappy money mindset, a very scarcity mindset, a very expense-driven mindset, a very fear-driven mindset. And so, you know, if you if you listen to my podcast from back in the day, you'll see this evolution of all of these decisions and how my mindset shifted so much over the past four years to be like, oh, I get to really just believe that this is possible. I get to really believe in myself. I have all of this evidence that everything I've decided I've made happen. And if I, you know, if I've done my homework and my due diligence and I'm not saying, oh, this person's going to get me results. No, I'm going to create my own results through this person or this opportunity or whatever. Yeah. Then I'm all in. 
Yeah. And so it's just it's it's been a journey for me. And I know so many people, some people like and I think about it's like we have an investment mindset or an expense mindset. It's how we were raised. It's how we grew up, you know, and some of us like me who was who started out like thinking of like this money is going to go away and never come back. I would stop at the the price tag on the thing, you know, oh, this coaching is $20,000. That's where I would stop. I don't have $20,000 in my bank account right now, or I don't feel comfortable. It's so risky to part with $20,000. That's where I'd stop. I wouldn't go beyond. It's just a lot of money. That's it. I can't afford it. Done. Not even going to consider it. And it's like, think about what's possible when you take that step. I love that you're just like, that's how I make decisions. Like, that's how I make decisions now. But that's, that's not how, I, how I used to make decisions. Oh, yes. <laughs> let me let me rephrase. That's how I make decisions now. That's how I've made decisions since crossing over into a premium pricing yes. model in service yeah. businesses and in, in programs. Before that, it's all scarcity. You don't know where your next client's mm-hmm. going to come from. When you get a client, it's so much work. I mean, that's what you and I are both trying to help people get out of because you're right. If you have no idea how to get clients, they're not profitable. You can't charge them enough and you have to work a ton to fulfill on that. And that's never going to change. Then yeah, everything is an expense. (laughs) It is. Until you invest to change that situation, it is going to be an expense. So the question is, what do you need to invest in to change that situation? So you can be in this place that we've evolved to both of us over many, many years where it's just, yeah, it's like clients are worth $10,000, $20,000, $30,000. Everything is a great investment. Everything is going to help me get more clients and they're worth so much. And there are I, people out there that think like us that want your services. Yes. Very good point. Okay. So I cut you off at one, at number one, but there's four <laughs> more. What, wait, what are what are these called? Your CEO questions? That's what I remember that you calling them. Yeah. I think I might've called them my CEO questions. Honestly, like full transparency. I was like, what were those five questions? I remember that I put them in a, <laughs> one of my income reports, oh. but I need to go back and look them up. I yeah. Remember I think them they are you. five CEO <laughs> questions. That's okay. what they're called now. from now on. <laughs> You're going to write a book about this. I thought it was so, I lo- I, I'm always uh, telling people in my program, you got to brand things and, and give them a framework and it's easier to remember yeah. them. And that's why I listened to a lot of your episodes and it really stood out to me because it was bite size and it was clear and it was easy to remember. Well, so, thank you. Duly own noted. That. <laughs> own that, Shannon. Shannon. I'm going to write about it in a blog and, uh, and cite you. Okay, keep going. Awesome. Very cool. So number two, do I believe this investment will allow me to create at least that many clients or sales in the next three to six months? So one, am I going to get one new client from it? Yes. Am I going to get that one new client in the next three to six months or possibly most likely more than that in three to six months, right? So, you know, what's your time? What's your horizon for creating that new client? And then three, am I willing to do everything in my power to make sure I create the return on my investment? Because like I mentioned earlier, it's not our like mentor's responsibility to create results for us. It's not my web designer's responsibility to create my clients for me. You know, it's my responsibility to fulfill my end of this partnership. I think in my in my early days, and I don't know if it's how things were marketed to us or if it was my desperation and it could be a little bit of both. And I'm going to accept my 
responsibility. I did look for people to like, oh, this program has the magic answer and I'm going to buy it and I'm going to do it all. And it, I didn't get the results that those testimonials got. So this program sucks. I'm not going to buy from this person again, you know, and if I can look back, it's like, okay, well, did I do everything that did I take advantage of every opportunity of support that was available to me? Did I ask all of the questions? Did I fully exhaust all of my options? Or did a new shiny object show up in my feed that promised a solution and I jumped ship? That felt easier. That felt easier. That was like, oh, let me get some relief instead of actually like dealing with, okay, what didn't work and why? It's probably something going on with me. Like what's underneath me not wanting to like go live to promote this webinar, yes. you know? Like so what's good. underneath that? It's the hard work. It's the hard work of growth. And anybody who's gonna grow a business has to be willing to do that hard work. I will say, I do think it's a marketing problem also. Yeah. I, I do think, and I, and I also, I don't necessarily blame marketing for this because marketing has to touch on the things that people want. And you know what people don't want? This is gonna take a long time, it's gonna be really hard. <laughs> but you know what business is? It takes a long time and it's really hard. Now there are shorter paths. There are, you're definitely gonna get there faster when you have help, mentorship, a framework, like ideas, books, things to follow. But if building a really successful business was quick and easy, everyone would have one. And that's obviously not the case. So I do think it's a marketing messaging, it's it's a problem because that is what marketing messaging has to do. I, I, I think, I, I know there's a lot of people out there, actually, you probably would disagree. I know there's a lot of people out there with the message of marketing messaging is slimy and, you know, we can do this more ethically and I'm all about ethical marketing, but I also think there's something to be said for you have to meet people where they are and give them what they sell them what they want and then give them what they need. And if I told people like what it's really going to take to build a business, a lot a, fewer people would be building businesses right now, I think. I, I mean, I totally agree. And I and I also think it's like, you know, the message can be it's going to be challenging and we're here for you throughout that. You know, yes. it's not like, oh, it's going to be so easy and you know, it shouldn't be hard. And if you don't get these results, well, that's there's something wrong with you. Like I, you know, or you have mindset blocks or you have this. That's not on me. It's like, I think we're kind of at a at a point in in, you know, mentorship and coaching programs and, and different things where people are seeing like, oh, it's not just me giving you the system and the framework and everything. It's me giving you that system and then finding all the ways that you're having problems implementing it and supporting yes. you there. Yes. And it's like, are you willing, you know, as as a, someone who is a coach or a mentor to step in and fill that role? And if you are awesome, like people need you. And if you're not, that's cool too. Just be really clear about what, what you do and don't offer in terms of, of that. And I think either way is fine. But I think people are looking for and are willing to pay for more like higher ticket programs with more support, with more strategy, with just that next that next level. Because 100%. what we have been doing hasn't been working. 
A hundred percent. And to your original point, it is about you showing up and taking those steps and looking for the help. And when you don't know what to do, say, I don't know what to do and ask for that support. And when people, I think a lot of people think programs are, let me just get the information. It's like information is free. You know, I have a mentor who says, give it all away. Like people with information, it's not going to help them get over their own internal struggles. Like to your point, if you don't want to get on video, all the information about how videos are going to help your business, all the information in the world is not going to help you use video to help your business if you have issues around showing up <laughs> on video, right. which is not going to help. So you need that that support. I mean, I'm a huge, I'm always in, I'm always, I always have multiple coaches around me for that very yep. reason to help me get over those mindset blocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, I say like my podcast is literally everything I did to grow my business from zero to $500,000 revenue year. Everything is there. Everything I ever tried, every strategy I ever did, everything that didn't work, everything that did work, how much it cost, what I went through, it's all there. So you could listen to 375 episodes of this podcast and then go figure it out yourself on your own, or you can hire a mentor to fast track you through all of that. But like you said, the information's out there. It's free. It's yeah. there. You know, how how quickly do you want to... And it's not even about quickly. It's about like how emotionally supported do you want to feel? You know, do you want to go it alone like a lone wolf or do you want to be in community? You know, so speed has something to do with it. There's opportunity costs for everything, but it's not like this whole impatience thing like oh i need to have it happen tomorrow it's like oh i'm very impatient shortcut it oh so (laughs) and (laughs) impatience is a big part of it for me how can i get there faster yeah like even uh you were saying before it's how important it is to realize even as mentors that we are helping people through this but we can't do it for them i have one person that i do sessions with just to work on things that are stressing me out or anytime anything comes up that stresses me out, I bring that and we kind of dissect it and figure out what the meaning he's NLP. And I did it recently because I was like, I literally wake up in the middle of the night thinking about people in my program and like thinking about specific people and like, I hope they're okay. (laughs) I remember like they said something a couple months ago and I, you know, and I told him that and he was like, you, that is unsustainable. You know, you can care about people and show up for them, but you have to remember that you can only do, you can show them the framework and you can show up and support them, but they have to come meet you and actually ask for that help too. You can't think about them in the middle of the night. That's not going to make you more effective. It was a really, it sounds so obvious when I say it now, but when he said it to me, I was like, you're so right. And I need to remember that to be a better coach, really. Obviously, you care very deeply about every single person coming to work with you, getting what you know is possible for them, right? Like you see in every single person what is possible for them, (laughs) what they could be. And you care very deeply about making sure that they have every opportunity to create that. It's like my role is to just give them every opportunity to create this, but I cannot 
create it for them and we disempower them when we do you know try to like I, I say it's like we can't jump in their body and make them do things but like if we could we're also disempowering them from going through whatever they need to go through to whatever obstacle is in their way or whatever their journey is supposed to be that's part of their growth. And I had to learn this because I always, even at like, even at selling like a $97 digital product, right? I'm like, oh, but what if they don't, you know, get the result and do the thing? And I took it so personally. And I had a coach say to me one time, it's like, you are taking way more responsibility for this than, than what is yours. And like, and just what I said, and it's disempowering to them. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. So I get to like take that pressure off of myself and just do the thing that I'm supposed to to be doing. And I think I'm like, oh, I have done that throughout my whole entire career. I've done that when I was a web designer, you know, when I was doing freelance web design. And I was like, oh, I built them this website and now they stopped their business. Right. As if they're not doing their business. (laughs) And I felt so responsible, like they paid me all this money and then they didn't even do the business and what could I have done better? And I'm like, oh, I just gave them the tool like they had to do the rest. And so much goes into a business. I'm so glad you brought that up because we're talking to service providers and I know every service provider who wants to do a great job feels that responsibility and it's so it it's so demoralizing when you do a project and then they stop their business. Hello, they stop their business for a whole bunch of reasons that you don't know anything about and it's not your responsibility. And I think people are scared to say that because then they think that people will hear the opposite. Oh, you aren't taking responsibility for your work or you don't care what happens to these people. It's like, oh no, you, you can care way too much. <laughs> <laughs> to the point you that you can it, care to the point that it disempowers them. It, that it disempowers them. Such a good point. Okay, that was three. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Let's. Okay. We'll recap at the end. Okay. These are so, so good. the fourth. The fourth one is: Is it true that I really can't afford it? So when you see an opportunity to invest in a coaching program or a service or something. Is it true that I really can't afford it? Do I really literally not have the money or am I just scared to spend it? So this is a question that I've had to ask myself. It's like, okay, if I really don't have the money, but the investment will allow me to create the money and I really want to make it happen, then I get to figure out how to create the money, right? So it's like, okay, I really want to work with uh, Pia in this program and I just, I don't have... I don't have this now. It's like, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. Like, what can I do to create the money? And I'm like, go get a client. Like if you get, if, if she's going to teach you how to create premium clients, you can just go sell your services to get enough together for her to teach you that. Right. So go figure it out if you really, really want it. There, I am not even saying that there are not situations where people literally are making choices between putting food on their table and enrolling in programs. I have a policy, like if someone tells me that, I'm like, I can't, I don't even want to, like, here's some advice for you, but this is not the right program for you. It's not the right time. I will be here when you're ready. Like you have basic needs to go take care of. I'm taking myself out of your decision, <laughs> you know? Same. But yeah. if it's if it really is like you're scared to spend it, 
Well, then you have some things that you need to look at in terms of, you know, what kind of support do I really need? Why am I scared? Is this program going to support me with that, you know, or what other help do I need to overcome that? Because if you're scared here, I promise you it's showing up in so many other places in your business that that's where your work is. Such a good point. I'm going to take this conversation sideways for a second because I think... And we're going to disagree here. So I'm going to spar okay. a little bit. Love it. I think you're a Dave Ramsey fan. I would say that I wouldn't say a fan so much okay. of I like the debt snowball and I like being debt free. Okay. I don't necessarily like, align with a lot of the, the Ramsey world, if that makes sense. Uh, the only thing I know about Dave Ramsey is that he is like... Yeah, debt-free, which I'm curious what that even means. Um, debt-free, live on cash. And what I picture yes. is you should have cash in lots of places. <laughs> <laughs> Including your mattress. Dave Ramsey maybe. is don't, ha- don't have debt, don't have credit cards. Don't use credit debt. cards. He says don't, don't use credit cards, don't have okay. loans. Like pay okay. it all off. Be completely debt-free. So so I feel like... and and. I didn't even direct, I don't think I even directly got this message from my parents. I think I really just got it from society at large. That's the message. Debt is bad. Live on a cash basis. And I feel like it took me years to like learn about the banking world (laughs) and access to credit and access to cheap free money to grow my business. And once I saw that and used it effectively, I was like, why isn't anyone teaching people that you can use other people's money to grow your business? And it's very effective. And if I use other, and I always call it other people's money because it's, because it's not my money. What if I, if I can use other people's money to grow my business sooner, then I will, you know, life is, it's long, but it's also finite. If I can get somewhere in one year by using other people's money to get there faster, then I and that would take me three years or more because I'm I'm trying to squirrel away my cash to then pay for it. To me, it's like a no brainer to the point that I started I learned this the first time when I was like 23. I took an interest free credit card. That was the first time I'd ever had like used a credit card. Took an interest free credit card for $10,000. I lived off of that credit card for six months while I tried to become a real estate agent. And I made like my first and second deal like right when the interest was coming in and I just paid it off. So I didn't pay any interest, right? So that was like, that worked out really nicely, (laughs) right? Because I ended up using the money and then I didn't pay any interest. Ever since then, I've been using things like that to finance my business, and I use it even when I have the cash. So at this point, you know, we've, we have lots of investments and all that stuff, and I never touch that money. I'm like, that's retirement. That's our emergency fund. Like, that's all that stuff. I only use other people's money to finance my business at every growth. So I don't know if that's considered debt or not, because, you know, if you have the money in the bank, is it debt or not? So that's my position. I'm super curious and open and interested in And if you think that is or isn't like similar to what you're thinking about. I love this conversation because we have this conversation inside my, inside of my 
program all the time too, where people are like, my clients can't afford it. My clients don't have the money. When I say have the money, I think have the money means whatever it means to you, Mm, right? Okay. I don't necessarily mean you have that much cash sitting in the bank right now to spend. If you have access to that money through however you feel comfortable having access to that money, who am I to say that how you do money in your life is right or wrong, right? So you're so diplomatic. I am because I really am. Like for me, I saw how my family grew up. I saw my parents file bankruptcy twice. I saw how them having to go into debt and having to borrow money, how it destroyed our family, how every conversation was about us not having money, not having enough money, bill collectors calling. Like that's how I grew up. And so for me, I was never going to put myself in a situation where I was beholden, and this is how I personally feel, Mm -hmm. to anyone else for anything ever, not just money. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Right? And so that's that's my lens through which the whole debt-free lifestyle appeals to me. I saw using debt as something that really could come back to destroy you. Mm. Is that true for everybody? Absolutely not. I do not think that it that it's that is true for everybody and I do think it can be a really really powerful tool to to grow your business. I take advantage of payment plans for for coaching programs, right? So I invest in a $20,000 coaching program. I'm paying $2,000 a month for 12 months. That's that's owing money, right? I'm paying two extra payments of $2,000. 24,000 for a $20,000 coaching program. Which is a 20% APR. It didn't go through a bank. I've signed the contract. If I want to pay that off early, I can. But I did that because I felt more comfortable with my cash flow. So there's no one right way. You could con- you could consider that. I didn't put it on a credit card and have that, a bank dealing with it, but so I still owe asking. someone money. So that's what I'm asking. If you took out a $20,000 interest-free credit card and paid it, you would save $4,000. Absolutely. but the, And also, there are people who can't get a $20,000 credit card. That's true. You know? So there are people who that's just not in the cards for them because the banking system is messed up. And, you know, the system is messed up. So people, you know, have options. Now, I could probably but there are people that that can't. And so absolutely, you know, so have money means whatever that means to you have access to money, however you feel comfortable spending it. And I think that that's why I asked like the first three questions first. Yes, like, this is like your risk assessment, right? You know, it's like, will you get a client back? How quickly? And, you know, are you willing to do everything in your power? And then do you have access to the money in a way that is in a way that makes sense to you? So I love that we talked about this. And then if if so, like are you are you scared to spend it? You know, if you have access to it and you're still like, "Oh, I can't afford it." Like what's underneath that? That's the big question, right? <laughs> yes. I That's love that though because we were talking about, you know, when in my in my program when people are like, "Oh, I can't charge $10,000 for a website." 
people don't have the money. And I'm like, your definition of having money is your own. Yes. Don't put that on anybody else. Like, let them make their own decisions. Let them figure out how they want to pay for things. They're adults. It's not our job to decide that for them. They get to do that however they want. Um, I was at a conference and I was like, sometimes I think that how I <laughs> how I have like done my income reports because I have built my business debt free, like can set a standard that is like not unattainable, but is like very rigid for like how I run my business. And I love that we're having this conversation because there are other ways. It's just not how I want to do it. Absolutely. Yes. And every way is totally fine. And what you're most comfortable with. I think that's the best takeaway. I think actually it's what you're most comfortable with. And are you willing to look at that discomfort? And sometimes it's something you want to work on. Right. Like sometimes you do things that are uncomfortable, but you see the fear and where it came from. And it's something you want to overcome because it's going to help you go somewhere faster or somewhere different. And sometimes it's like, I'm okay with that fear. (laughs) I'm good. And and I can see in this conversation, like this could be something that I get to work on so that I don't put so much pressure on myself to be like, oh, guess what, Shannon? There are other avenues for you to create what you need to create to run your business without running yourself into the ground. You know, it doesn't have to all be you. You have access to these other ways to do it. So what's underneath that? Right. Mm, And mm -hmm. I think we kind of talked about it, like how I grew up is what's underneath that. So which sounds like it would be a lifelong emotional experience to take with you, of course. I mean, I didn't have that experience, so I don't have that deep seated fear that would absolutely set the groundwork for how you see the investments you make. And I try to be really cognizant of that when I'm speaking to every everyone. Everyone has their own money stories that they are and aren't aware of. Right. I yeah. love doing. Oh, yeah. I love like asking people money stories like my friends who have never thought about it. And the first thing they tell you and you're like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, I'll ask them like, like, what's a like, what's a time that people talked about money and as a kid? Like the first thing that comes up will usually tell you a lot about what you think about money. Yeah. Just what are the stories that's you remember? Fascinating stuff. And especially when it. you're getting into, you know, what you teach is, mm-hmm. you know, premium pricing. There's a whole lot of money stuff that I think people get to look at and examine when they are wanting to charge that much, but they but but they're they're not aligned with it somehow. Like you're always gonna hold yourself back if you if you come from a place of like, oh, I'm taking money from them. I'm doing harm to them by like yes. accepting this much money. And it's like, get them thinking about these same questions. They get to make that decision through a lens of an investment in their business and how, you know, ROI and all of those things. They get to make their own decision. Yes. But sometimes you have to heal your own money stuff to be able to accept that. Hey guys, I wanted to jump in here really quickly and ask you for a big favor. If you love this podcast, if you love this episode, I would be grateful if you would share it with a friend who would benefit or better yet on Instagram in your stories and tag me at Pia Loves Your Biz. It really is the best way for others to find out about the show. And I thank you in advance for your help. All right, back to the episode. One of the things is if you're not willing to spend $10,000 to grow your business, how can you 
How are you going to actually confidently tell someone that they should invest $10,000 with you to grow your business? And it's not like, oh, just spend more and more because then you'll be able to charge more and more. It's not that direct. But it does beg the question, if if you're scared to spend an amount of money you want to charge, how are you going to authentically say to them that they should when you wouldn't? It's you, it's impossible. You're going to be faking it. And we can tell. Like people can tell. That when is my exact confident. experience. Yeah. <laughs> I could not raise my prices until I was willing to invest that much in myself and in my business. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh. I am giving way more. I, I am way undercharging. Once I, whenever I do that, I'm like, oh, I start to see the value of what I'm doing differently. I start to see what's possible for other people differently. And I'm like, there's some kind of feeling that you feel when you take that risk that you're like, oh, I needed to experience that in order to commit to doing these things. Like I'm always like, I had to touch the stove, even when you told me it was hot. Like I still had to go touch it. Like I had to experience the... I felt like a transformation. It's almost undescribable to make that commitment to spend that much money. Mm. I had to go through that. And then I'm like, oh, I see why everything I wasn't doing before was working. I wasn't fully committed. I was still scared. Well, now I'm fully committed. And I want people that work with me to be as fully committed as I am. So I'm not saying that you don't, that you have to spend that much money to be fully committed. But there is something that happens when you go beyond what your comfort zone is. Yeah, and it also stretches your comfort zone so that you can go to the next yeah. uncomfortable zone. Yep. And it it will always, my experience up until now is that it will keep being uncomfortable, but the discomfort shifts as yeah. you stretch because each time you do it, you're a little more comfortable that it's uncomfortable. It's still uncomfortable, but you're a little more comfortable with it because you, you have real world experience. I've been uncomfortable before and it worked in my favor. Or I've been uncomfortable before and it didn't work in my favor. I've spent a lot of money on things that quote, didn't work. But to your point, I really wasn't showing up for those. Some of them I straight up bailed and said, you know what? I don't wanna do this right now. So, okay, that's fine. (laughs) I bought this $10,000 program and I don't, at the time, I don't wanna have sales calls. I didn't realize that's what it was. I don't want to do this. I wasn't ready emotionally to do that because you have to really face yourself if you're going to be doing sales calls. You have to learn a lot about yourself and I just wasn't ready to do it. And you know what? It felt like a loss at that point, but it actually was the seed for years later when I finally was ready and I felt really aligned with it and actually really excited about it. And it took me about three years to evolve into that mindset, but I probably got here faster because I took that program three years ago and I had three years of stewing on it and thinking about it and looking at the world through the lens of people doing sales calls and what do I think about that? And, you know, is that out of integrity? Are these people pushy? Are they helping people? Like, I wouldn't have been able to go through that whole thought process. So just a a story of how sometimes even when it, quote, doesn't work or you're not willing to do the work, it's still value. I think everything is value in business, even when it doesn't work. I couldn't agree more. I'm like, you know, I used to beat myself up for all the money that I spent in those early years, shiny object, program hopping, searching for answers outside of myself, all the things. And in hindsight, you know, if you're willing to look at it through a different lens, I'm like, 
I learned something so valuable from every single one of those experiences from, you know, whether it was spending $2,000 on a program that I was like, you know, oh, I actually already knew all this stuff. Why did I, you know, why did I think that I didn't? And to see, oh, someone selling this like this for $2,000, I'm way undercharging. I get to raise my prices to paying for branding that was beautiful and gorgeous, but was really hard to implement across all the different platforms without, you know, having a graphic designer on my team at the time, which I didn't have. And I ended up like scrapping that branding and just using like DIY Canva branding. And I was like, oh, I wasted that much money. But then I'm like, that experience of working with those, that branding company was immaculate. It was impeccable. It was so much fun. Everything that they did. And I'm like, I want to bring that level of service to my clients. And I was able to adapt things from that experience. So there's value in every experience, whether it works out the way that you wanted it to or expected or planned. And I think to your point, it's like sometimes just learning a lesson that you needed to learn sooner <laughs> so is, there's value in that too. You could have stewed on that forever and you didn't. So it's like, I guess I would go back, like I'm thinking back to that version of me who's like, oh, this laptop this is a big deal. It's like, it's just like, just do the things and have some grace and be nice to yourself and look for the gold in every decision and trust yourself. I mean, I can look back and it's like so many times it's like, I just didn't trust myself. Yeah, I was looking for the answers outside of myself. So we could just go back and, you know, I guess the fifth question, because I was looking here and I'm like, oh, there's only actually four. But the fifth one is like, do I trust myself? You know, yeah. do I trust myself to like do to do what it takes? Do I trust myself to to make a mistake? What am I going to make that mean? Or do I trust myself to have my back when it happens? Am I OK you know? if things don't all go exactly the way I want all the time? Am I OK if success doesn't just go up? Even though if, when I say that out loud, logically, of course it doesn't. And of course, things are not all going to work out exactly the way you want. But am I really actually okay with that? Because I find that's the only reason I don't take those leaps is it's like, I'm not okay with this not working. It's like, well, that's life, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just how the world works. Yeah, it's like we set these goals and it's like, oh, we're going to make this much revenue and this much time and we're going to have a launch and get this many people. And I was talking to one of my friends who has a business about this. And it's like, how about the goals to just get a baseline the first time you do anything? Like you said that earlier in the conversation when I was like, how about the goal is to just try it, gather some data, see what met your expectations, see what didn't tweak things, try again, gather more data, iterate, 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 instead of making it mean I'm a success or I'm a failure. <laughs> like, I mean, just change the conversation about it. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other conversation about when you try something the first time and it, quote, doesn't work, it doesn't mean it isn't going to work. It means you did something for the first time and it wasn't perfect. I think a lot of us want to try something and then the first time we do it, we want it to just even if we know that sounds silly, secretly, but yeah, secretly, hopefully this launch just, my first launch ever sells more than I expected. It's like six figures, five yeah. figures. Yeah. Right. Without spending a dime or having a team. It's like, that's yeah, how you and do. Nobody really has heard of this offer before ever. Right. And you've never tested it and you don't know if people even want it. Right. 
Yeah, it's oh, very I've done unrealistic. That so many times. Yeah, me too. Talk about needing to touch the stove. You know, I don't know about you, but I, <laughs> I ignored everyone's advice about sell it first, build it after, and I spent six months building a, the first iteration of my boot camp. Animated, wrote, animated, filmed, recorded six months so that this product could be perfect. All to do this launch that just went wah, 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 like nothing because that's not how you do it. But I had to do it myself. It's good learning experience. I've done it too. I've done it too. And sometimes I think it's like, oh, that's the safe work, right? right? It's like, oh, it is. it's you easier. Know, I, I feel like I'm working, I'm working so hard. I'm building the thing, I'm doing all the things and I'm, you know, we got to the point where we actually like did the thing. I see a lot of people like just get to get to and then what I would do is like, oh, I need to re this product didn't work. I need to rename it, rebrand it. It must that must be why. Right. Like the name of it wasn't right. I should change the name. And it's like, oh no, you just need to do it again. You need to learn what you needed to learn and just do it again. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect example of a time for me at least, where I was doing it in my own little bubble. And it would have been great if I had been working with somebody who could have asked me those tough questions. Yes. It would have saved me a lot of time. In fact, um, shout out to Tara. I did my, you know, we do strategy calls once a month with my podcast producers and off pro podcast topic, I just mentioned to her, yeah, I'm gonna get back on Instagram soon. Like, I just haven't had the time. And she was like, why, Pia? That is so not the best use of your time, you know, here are the other things you want to do. And they're so much more valuable. And it's like, you just saved me. I don't even know how much time just by asking that question. Cause the second she asked it, I said, you're right. That's not the best use of my time at all. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. And that's what it's I helpful love that. to have. We think board. we should do things cause we see other business owners doing things. And it's like, we get to look at what's working for us and just do more of that and let go of the rest of it. Or you just, you don't even think about it. You just get it in your head and I wasn't even thinking about it. It was just kind of, I had already made the assumption, right? That's why yeah. you need people around you. You yes. need community. You need to see other people doing things. Yes. You need to have people questioning what you're doing and say, maybe it is the right thing, but is it? What else could you be doing? Would that be better? Sometimes it's, I mean, that can be a, a $100,000 question that you answer in a second. And it changes yep. the trajectory oh, yeah. of your business. Yeah, when you're all alone up in your head, no, too hard. I've been there. First three years, that's what I did. It was, yeah. I, I had a partner and that was positive in some ways, but also just a sounding board where we're just going back and forth, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> validating our own ideas because neither of us had any idea what we were doing. Oh yeah, I've, yeah. Paid, I've paid coaches just to tell me things that I already feel like I know and I, it's worth every penny. You know, yeah. when they say the thing, I'm like, I didn't not know that. But now that you're saying it, good idea. I'm going to do that right now or I'm going to change my trajectory. It's, it is worth every penny. Like, yeah, our time Absolutely. is so valuable. Okay. So those were the five CEO questions on how to make an investment. I loved that so much. You're writing a book. I'll write the forward. <laughs> okay. Yes. We could talk all day. Tell me something else that's amazing about your program. I think what's amazing about my program is our community. We were just talking about this. It's like, you know, we'll, we tell you all the things about like, here's marketing, making offers, getting clients, all of that stuff. But like, when you start actually working with clients, that's when it gets real, real, you know? That's when all of your master plans about how this project was gonna go, like now you've put a real human, like 
in into the mix and there are variables and things start not going as you planned. And we're here to support everyone through that part, right? In addition to just the part of like, you know, getting through all the stuff to like market your business, get high-end clients, like all of that stuff. It's like, and what about after, you know? And so that's, I think that that is a great thing about us. And who is it for? It's for web designers, web developers, like give me the pitch. Yeah, it's for web designers who, you know, are already, you know, getting clients, but they're ready to raise their prices. They're probably undercharging, over-delivering, burnt out. It's not because they're not great at what they do. It's because they don't know how to hold boundaries. They probably have some money mindset stuff like what we've talked about here. And they, they are ready for like this transition from like pixel pushing employee to like, baller consultant who, you know, makes makes bank and is really kind of running the show. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. And, and we teach you how to, like, navigate that and manage that and how to, you know, how to shift from selling web design to selling, you know, selling, you, you say this, sell them what they need, but give them what they really want. Like what they what they really need is like, solutions to their business problems so Mm -hmm. can i ask some specifics like do you work with people are all of your students or most of your students designing and developing are they developing on all platforms are these all sizes of of websites are they solopreneurs are they agencies are they building agencies like what does this person look like so they're typically solopreneurs they work on any and all platform wordpress squarespace show it shopify whatever. They are typically working with small to mid-size businesses. And so we don't we don't teach an agency model. Of course, we teach you how to like systematize and all of that stuff so that if you do go that route, you you're, you know, prepared for that, but we don't we don't support that. But it's really for that like that freelancer who is, you know, just kind of ready to like take control of their business. It's been controlling them for so long. They're ready to like take control make way more money and work way less doing it. So that's that's who we're for. Okay, amazing. I know you have a free training, 5P framework to 5X your web design business without 5Xing your workload. That sounds right up our alley here <laughs> at No BS Agencies. I will link to that in the show notes because it's courses.shannonmattern.com backslash WDA. Just go to webdesigneracademy.com. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And, and go straight there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Webdesigneracademy.com. Webdesigneracademy.com. That's a free training to 5X or Res Business. That sounds awesome. People, you guys should definitely go check that out. You web designers, you. Shanna, it's been such a pleasure, Shannon, having you here. Thank you so much for joining me. I have so many more questions. You'll have to come back and we can just keep keep going down this rabbit hole together. This was so awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be back next week with more no BS tips for your agency so you can find more profit, ease, and freedom. The No BS Agency podcast is produced by Yellow House Media. Coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Sean and Tara McMullen. Our theme music is Knock 'em Down by The Shrugs. 